Please have your Bible ready in Matthew chapter 7. I'll be with you in that text in just a few moments. Good morning and welcome to our worship assembly where we teach from God's book. We hope God's book will be welcomed in good and honest hearts. On a personal note, every year for 12 years now, near the end of February or into March, I make a trip to Dallas, Texas. It is an event hosted by the West Side Church of Christ in Irving, and I've been invited each year to help lead an event called the Young Preachers Workshop, along with Mark Roberts. We have about 35 men in a conference room arrangement. We spend two days early in the morning, late at night, speaking to these men and listening to them about being a local preacher and being the kind of men God wants Christian men to be. It is always energizing for me. It is encouraging for me. <clears throat> I always come back with another impression of how blessed I am and how thankful to God I am to be located here with good people I love now for about 28 years. Thank you for all you do for me and for allowing me to travel and participate in such high-value efforts. My next trip will not be until May. We are ready now in Matthew chapter 7. And you're going to recognize, when I say Matthew chapter 7, that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. There is such variety in this sermon delivered by the Master, you need to read it many times over and absorb it carefully and then live by it. It is recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you can read it in about 20 minutes or less, but speed is not the idea. So read it several times over. I recommend that you do that and then go back and carefully observe the rich instruction from Jesus that we can live by today. Here's part of it. In Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is about action on our part that has some good promise of result. So action on our part, asking, seeking, knocking. What's the result of that done sincerely? It results in receiving and finding and opening. So, for example, if I want to find, I'll need to seek and do that diligently and so forth. That's the sense of what Jesus said. Action on our part 
that holds promise of good result. And then I want you to notice inside this section, there's something to bring up. In verses 9 and 10, did you hear that? Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? The point of this takes us to the truth of God's generosity. God will give good things to those who ask him. But I want you to notice how it's illustrated. Jesus cites what is generally and ideally the case with parents toward their children. If a son is hungry, the father will not give him a bowl of rocks or a serpent. And in verse 11, Jesus plays on that. He says, here is what parents do. Then he says this, give good gifts to your children. I want to lock in on that phrase this morning. Jesus says, this is what parents do. Give good gifts to their children. That's my subject. And I want to call this parental generosity. And I'll present scripture to us. Through these questions I have framed, directed to parents, but for the benefit of all of us, my first reference will be 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 in just a moment. Here's the question. What are you giving your children? I bring this up for the benefit of parents, for the benefit of young people who may become parents after marriage, for all of us who seek to attend carefully to the biblical model of the family. What are we giving our children? Parents? I should like to address you, please. I should like to address parents. Are you giving them God's moral standard? Somebody will be giving your children a moral standard. Who will that be? And what will that standard be that is handed to them? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I am absolutely certain of something this morning. If you have children, no matter their age, they need what this passage describes. Teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Every child needs what is contained in those words. Well, what is the source? Where can one find these attractive things? What book can be open that will provide these things, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Parents, are you giving your children God's moral standard? 
Somebody's going to give them something. Who's it going to be and what will they receive? Your children will make choices based on some standard. Perhaps a human-based fluid standard that's of the world. You can't send them out into the world without a compass. Without an objective moral standard. Do you love them and do you want them to go to heaven? They will need to learn this book and God has charged you with that task, parents. The local church can help if you'll get them here consistently and be here with them. But the responsibility has been assigned to parents. Parents, give them this gift, God's moral standard. Read the Bible to them. Read the Bible with them. Talk about what it means and how it needs to be applied. Do that regularly. And if you don't do this, if you don't do this, There may come a time in years ahead when you are filled with the deepest kind of regret about something you can't undo. You can't go back. And you will say to yourself, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I spend more time teaching my children the ways of the Lord? What was I thinking? What what was I busy doing that I neglected to do what God told me to do about my kids. And don't just give your kids little pieces of the puzzle. Here's a passage, Johnny. Hey, Mary, here's a passage you can memorize. Don't just give your kids little pieces of a puzzle, isolated memory verses, or a list of proof texts. Make certain they know the whole story, God's plan, and how all the parts of the plan fit together. Daily Bible reading can do that if you'll do it with your kids every single day. You want to give your children the best? You want to give your children a moral standard that is dependable? Give them the highest moral standard ever imparted to man. The Word of God. Are you giving your children the example of Christ? I'm not talking about handing them a lesson book and taking them to a Bible class right now. Yes, help them with their Bible lessons. Make sure they're in their Bible classes. But the way you give them the example of Christ is for your children to see Christ in you. If your children are thinking, wow, I know something about what Jesus would do, but mom and dad are way off, what a shame. If what they read about Christ in their Bible is not seen in the home, what a shame. The importance you give To following Christ is essential in raising them to follow Christ. What are the chances? If you don't, they will. Isn't that clear? Do not simply take them to church and think you're done. Do you want your children to think God only lives inside the walls of a building? 
that he's only with someone when they're singing about him out of books or on a slide. As parents, you need to show them how to walk with God all through every nook and cranny and corner of life. That's your job for your children to see Christ in you. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What are you giving your children? Are you giving them your time? I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. You expected I would go there. I'm there. Ephesians chapter 6. If God has said to parents, raise your children, and if we love our children, such high purposes cannot be pushed to the bottom of your schedule. It takes time. And here is what Scripture says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want to tell you that several years ago, an expression came up in our culture. Several years ago, somebody started talking about quality time. Now that may sound good when you first hear it. Quality time. Often that expression was used in the context of people with very busy, crowded lives who didn't have much time. And so somebody came up with this expression, quality time. And so for five or ten minutes, you'd get with the kids in the evening and it would really be concentrated. It would be well done and it would be quality and we would then consider that to be sufficient? Come on. I want to take us back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know that we are not old covenant people living in the Jewish nation. But when the change from the old to the new came, there was not a change in the responsibility of parents to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so in Deuteronomy 6, this is illustrated. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them. When you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. What does that sound like to you? It's an investment of time that is not abbreviated. It sounds like something so important, you will not create five or ten minutes and call it quality. It sounds like something so important, you will make time to speak to your children about the ways of the Lord wherever you are as much as you possibly can. 
One of the biggest mistakes parents today are making is to let their children sit in front of a screen or a phone for hours on end that could be used for such better purpose. I wonder when moms and dads will look up from their phones and screens and see their children across the room doing the same and stand up and say, okay, everybody, turn everything off. Might be a rebellion. Turn everything off. We're going to talk to each other about God. We're going to read the Bible and pray. We're going to talk about what's right and what's wrong. And we're not going to let what's on those screens distract us about how to walk with God and go to heaven. Parents, if you're struggling with this, I want to invite you to go over to my website. It's real easy to remember. My website is warrenberkeley.com. And on the top menu of that website, I want you to look for something called Digital Dangers. Click on that and read about how dangerous the electronic devices can be. Now, kids and parents, don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to leave them at the door, throw them in the trash can, burn them up, go donate them to Goodwill. I'm not going to do that. This is about wise use, not no use. Get control over the electronic distractions. You are only going to have these kids under your control for a few years. Your children need God now more than they need games on their smartphones. And they will need God the rest of their lives. Invest your time for good eternal dividends. Are you giving them your love? I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Are you giving them your love? Colossians 3, verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, what am I to do? What are men and parents to do to avoid being harsh, provoking children to anger and discouragement? running them down. What am I to do to avoid that? Here's what you're to do to avoid that. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you love someone, 
How do you show that? Do you yell at them all the time? Do you scream at them? Embarrass them? Degrade them? Insult them? Run them down? One of the most famous verses about anger in the Bible is James 1.19, which says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Another part of this. Do you listen to your children? Somebody says, wait a minute now, you got that all backwards, preacher. They're supposed to listen to me. What is communication? Does communication occur when it's just occurring on one side of the process? Do you listen to your children? I don't mean let them talk while you're getting ready to hammer them in the ground. I mean really listening. Do you listen to your children quietly and calmly and with understanding? You might be surprised what you learn. How wise they might already be. Or you might be surprised of something you need to know as a parent. If you'll shut up and listen. And I'll tell you this. Those little kids just need your attention. They need your attention. Authentic communication is never just talking, yelling, and commanding. It is listening and being informed. God, our Father, listens to us. If you love your children, you'll form a relationship with them where calm, caring conversations can occur. You need to listen to them to learn how to respond to them and to discover their needs. And because they need to be able to communicate with a parent. If you don't communicate with them, if you don't form a close relationship with them, they'll form a close relationship with somebody. And it may be somebody who doesn't meet your approval. If you tell your kids to shut up all the time, you know what they may do? They may shut up all the time. The rest of your life. You've closed off good access to one God charged you to take care of. <clears throat> you want your children to feel safe talking to you the rest of their lives? I do. Here's how bad it can get. You are busy and stressed in your job. The kids are not really responding as you desire, and so you snip and snap at them all the time, and you load into their minds insults and constant criticism with no praise or encouragement. They don't want to even be around you anymore because all they hear beats them down. And then one day you say to them, 
why don't you put that phone down and spend time with me? And the child responds, the time I spend with you makes me feel awful. You snip and snap and complain and make me feel bad. And then you stand your ground and defend all of your harping. What kind of relationship are you building? A relationship is being ruined. And this is not what God meant when he said, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He didn't say, bring them up by yelling at them and telling them to shut up. Relationship. And God says, do not provoke them to wrath. I wonder how many fathers and mothers are going to stand before God in judgment. And they might say to God, my children are lost to the world. And God will say, did you provoke them to wrath? And love also means that when you fail, you tell your kids, you're sorry. You tell them you're sorry. Back to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Are we giving good gifts to our children? God's moral standard, the example of Christ seen in you, your time, your love, your ear. Now, I need to say this, parents. You can't. Just have a general sentimental feeling or wish that your children will grow up and be faithful Christians and then say to yourself, maybe they will, I guess they will, I don't know. You have to turn hope into specific measures from the Bible that you enact today. Many parents have nothing but a vague wish that maybe their children will turn out okay. That's not a parenting strategy at all. You must be specific, have a plan. That plan must be based on what we've read in Scripture. And you must accept your responsibility to God to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you have failed, you know what the gospel says? The gospel says you can change. It may be late, but you can change. Speak to God about it. He will listen. Sit down with your family. Tell them you're sorry. Talk about specific changes for all of you to be closer to God. And I'll tell you this, if you're closer to God, you'll be closer to one another. And it'll be such a blessing. Let's take our families to the Lord, and then someday, let's take them to heaven. Let's be standing as we sing.